What would you do if everyone said they heard your trailer a hundred times? You'd probably make a new one. I'm Justin Sales, the host of The Wedding Scammer, The Ringer's first ever true crime pod. We've been hunting a con man for a few weeks now, and our hunt is coming to an end. Schemes, heartbreak, how to put on a wire. We've covered all this and more, but there are still a few surprises left. Binge The Wedding Scammer wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Ringer Gambling Show presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here and you can bet on all of the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explorer page in the post and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gambling. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen at the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 and up in President Select States. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG. This episode is brought to you by UGG. Y'all know UGG is a brand that athletes wear all the time in the tunnel and on travel days. Well, I bet you think UGG season is only during the colder months of the year. Oh, contraire. You're wrong. You need to check out the latest spring drop from UGG. They have everything from sandals to clogs. I like the sandals. UGG has you covered for your next spring adventure. Shop the Golden Collection at UGG.com. Welcome into a Friday edition of the Ringer Gambling Show. I am Warren Sharp. This is Joe House. We got some heat right off the top, House. I got a lot of things I want to talk about before we start diving into these games. But my friend, we survived week 10 on to week 11. There's not that many weeks left. We're well over halfway through the season. But there's a couple good games this week. I'm looking forward to this one. Uh, but first of all, how are you feeling after Thursday night football, and give me some thoughts on the game. We saw the Baltimore Ravens dispatch the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, more than anything, I'm bummed out. I'm bummed out because Joe Burrow's got a bum wrist, and we don't know because we didn't have a sideline reporter down there able to give us <laughs> accurate information. I'm not sure. I We don't really know exactly what the extent of that injury is, but it did not look good. And obviously, as soon as Joe Burrow went out, that was it for anybody who were who was backing Cincinnati. The one thing that I did, of course, uh, it was a loser, was bet the second half under. It was 20-point total for the second half. That lost because of the garbage touchdown by the Bengals at the end. But uh, we caught a primetime over. There was speculation in the market that it was time for an over. And we thought that both of these offenses might be able to do some things. And we kind of got, I mean, it was a 21 to 10 first half. And, you know, I, I felt like with, with you know, Burrow healthy, that there was a possibility of, of additional fireworks, but it didn't turn out that way. But Sharpie, you, you have some observations on this thing. 
Yeah, I mean, look, for, first of all, from a betting perspective, like, because I'm going to rain down some fire, I'm going to be like a little annoyed. I'm not annoyed at like the betting results. From a results-based perspective, I, I mean, I I'll almost swept the board as best I could without understanding that Mark Andrews was going to get hurt on the first drive of the game. But I had Ravens first half over in uh, in their team total, that one. First half over, that one. Uh, full game over, which I thought was a loser. I thought I was going to hit those two first half because the Ravens were going to be pushing. I thought, who is this backup quarterback for the Bengals? Browning going to come in and do anything? I thought that was going to be a surefire loser. But to your point, that one got there as well um, in the second half. And then I had some props. I had Keaton Mitchell's longest over. I had Gus Bus longest over. Both of those won. And the two that I lost were the uh, Mark Andrews related. The issues that I have for this game, they're multifold, okay? More than one. Number one, though, is these referees stink. They are garbage. I don't know what they are watching half the time. It's an embarrassment. Um, they take away like a, what is it, a 60 yard touchdown run that, uh, catch and run because they were calling, saying the guy was, uh, holding on the block. Odell was holding bullshit, was not holding at all. Like clear as day. Anybody can tell. They take that touch on off the board, a really explosive play. That obviously was caught my ire because um, I needed points to be scored and they just took off a 60-yard touchdown at a point in the game where we really desperately needed those points to get the first half over. Um, fortunately, you had Nelson Aguilar with that tipped ball that he ran into the end zone. But that was very frustrating. And then you had like the pass interference that wasn't actually a pass yes. interference where he did nothing, yes. like literally nothing. The young DB did nothing. Um so like, just, I, I, we really need to do something about this house. We really need, whether it's a sky judge, make penalties reviewable, have New York. I mean, every single one of these things, you're watching it on the TV. They immediately go to a replay and like Kirk Herbstreet, who I think is okay. Like Al at least looked like he drank some coffee before this one, but like <laughs> Kirk is clearly like saying like, well, this is a terrible call. Well, that's a terrible call. Well, if he sees it and we see it, then it should be able to be reviewed before the next play and just like switched like immediately to be, get the right call in. So that part of the game frustrates the hell out of me, hell out of me when it's clear and obvious. Um, but the second thing that bugs me house that, that really pisses me off is, People think I have an agenda because I just don't like the NFL or something, which is completely untrue. I don't like players getting hurt, okay? And we have legislated out of the game the uh, horse collar tackles. How did we do that? That was that was that used to be legal. We used to be able to just grab players down from the back of their jersey. Like 15 years ago, nobody would thought twice about that. Why would you want to get rid of that? That's just he's just tackling. What do you expect him to do? The guy's running in front of him. He's reaching up to try to tackle him. What do you expect? Guess what? We got those out of the game. This hip drop stuff is bullshit. And half the people out there, apparently, they don't watch football. They don't know that hip drop tackles has been an issue in the NFL for like a year and a half. The first right. big one that we saw was like two playoffs ago when it happened to Tony Pollard against the 49ers, I believe, in the uh, NFC divisional round playoff game. And he broke his leg. He was out for the rest of the game. And then he missed like much of the next season. And we have seen it progressively become more problematic. It's not like all over the place, but you do see the tackles and you can clearly recognize it. This is not something that is accidental. Like I, people are like, oh, you must not have played football, buddy. Like it's, this is a technique. This is a way that guys, the defenders are easier 
it's making it easier for them to tackle players. They are, instead of trying to actually tackle them and use their, they're, they're pulling on the player up and swinging their hips, levitating their bodies to try to then drop down on to the lower extremities, the legs of the player with the football. That is a very dangerous tackle. And I went on a big rant last year when this was happening to some of the offensive players and they were getting hurt. Rugby got this out of the game. This was a very, very bad problem with rugby overseas and they legislated it out. It became a penalty just like the horse collar was and they got it out of the game. And eventually, because it is a tackling technique, that players started to utilize, you can unutilize this technique. On occasion, you might end up getting flagged for it because just like on occasion, you get flagged for a horse collar. But it's a technique that right now in the offseason before this year started, the league office analyzed it, thought about it, decided not to do anything about that penalty. But the competition committee or the safety committee, whatever, if we're going to protect quarterbacks, like if defensive players can't land with their body weight on a quarterback, then we can't have guys lifting themselves up, going parallel to the ground or to drag themselves intentionally on top of players. And this Logan Wilson, dude, God, he had three, he hurt three Ravens in this game. And I'm not saying all of them were dirty hits. I'm not saying he's trying to take these guys out of the game, but he did take these guys out of the game for a period of time. He hurt them all. And now it's being reported uh, that Mark Andrews done for the year, done for the year, like the Baltimore Ravens, most critical offensive component, a key Cincinnati Bengal rival player, defensive player tackled the guy in a way that I believe in a year or two will be outlawed, tackled the guy using that technique and knocked Mark Andrews out for the rest of the season. And he's vitally important to the Baltimore Ravens future. And so I I think that's shitty, you know, and I'm not saying it's illegal right now because it's not illegal. So I'm not trying to say that what he did was illegal. I'm just saying this type of uh, and all the medical people out there are in agreement. All the learned people who understand what they did over in rugby are aware of what I'm talking about. But you got these guys on Twitter who don't know, like who just are watching football and just want to keep watching football and they don't realize that people are now tackling in this manner or that hip drops are even a thing. People are like, oh, did you just make this up? Like, buddy, Google hip drop tackles. Like, I'm not making this up. This is something that's an issue. So I don't know where you fall on the spectrum there. I I, I don't want necessarily more flags. I just want to not have great players, great offensive players. The game's already low scoring enough, right? I don't want great offensive players being taken out by big linebackers or other guys that just tackle you from behind using this technique and bust up your legs. And then you may never be right again. Your point is the right one, which is we've been down this path. We've seen important offensive players injured by this technique. There was a great furor about it. I think there was even some consideration by the policy committee uh, in the offseason, the rules committee, of you know doing something about it. Nothing has been done. I don't know if they've given guidance to teams to try and get it uh, reduced, but all it, it deserves the light of day that it's about to get once again, it's about to get, you know, be subjected to the proper scrutiny. And if we get this out of the game, it, it, it will be better uh, every which way. And you've made the right points. We, we, we can legislate, uh, you know, techniques in this game to try and 
preserve the health of the important uh, players, especially in the context of a 17-game season that we all expect to soon be 18 games, Sharpie. If we're going to play 18 weeks of football and we want it to be competitive, then we want the best players playing most of the games as much as possible. And so, yeah, let's get this thing um, out of the game and let, let's let's let you know teams with these important offensive pieces, you know, be able to go out there and and execute. Amen, brother. So I mean, I'm fired up. I definitely feel that to my bones. Uh, but let's talk about what we got going forward now. I do want to mention quickly update on Joe Burrow. It's a sprained right wrist. Now you saw before the game. I don't know if you saw all the stuff that was happening like I last did. night overnight where yeah. he was got off the plane with the wrist thing. He wasn't listed on the injury report. Like, oh my gosh, is there something going on with Joe Burrow's wrist? And at first, like people were tweeting out things like, oh, well, he's holding an iPad and this is like a wrap that you can wear to like write on the iPad easier. So your hand like goes, so I was like, I don't know. Like at first I was a little bit uh, worried about because I, I bet the over, like I bet pretty, I bet a lot of money on the over, like, and, and I had it at good numbers. And so like, I needed this game to go over the total. Obviously I didn't bet more than I could afford to lose. Nobody should, no, no, but like no, no, I was no. involved in all sorts of derivatives with the, with the over. And fortunately they all came through, but I was a little bit worried about seeing it, something with his wrist, but you're right. Or he wasn't on the injury report. Um, nobody even said anything about it. The Bengals deleted that video, which was a little odd. Um, but now he's, he's dealing with this, uh, wrist injury. So that's going to be, we don't know yet how long he's going to be out for. Uh, and of course for the Ravens, here's the one good thing about the Ravens house. They went over to London. They played a game there. They came back home. They didn't take a bye. They kept playing. They've been going strong for a while now. Now they get a mini bye. They play the Chargers nine days from now, 10 days from now, and then they have their actual buy. So they get a bunch of time to prepare for the Chargers, then they actually have a buy. Unfortunately, like one of the most, the most important skill position type player that they have, beside like once we obviously don't consider Lamar Jackson as part of that group, is gone for the rest of the season. He won't be there to, on a playoff run and it impacts Lamar, it impacts everybody on that team. It doesn't just, oh, sucks for, sucks for Mark Andrews. It's, it sucks for Lamar. It sucks for the Ravens. It sucks for people holding tickets on the Ravens. It sucks for everybody. Um, they got to do something about that. But we are moving on to another AFC North division rivalry game house because we've got the Steelers playing the Browns this weekend. And this is one of the most unglamorous, unglorious. If, if we got here a chance to see Lamar versus Joe Burrow, Right. The, like as a premier matchup in the AFC North. Now we're going to see Kenny Pickett against DTR. OK, definitely the opposite end of the spectrum there. Haves and have nots, uh, some would say. So what is your take on this game where over at FanDuel right now, the Pittsburgh Steelers are catching one point and the total is a super, super low 33 points? Yeah. So and I'm seeing, you know, it's. I saw it down to 32 and a half, which even at 33, it's got to be like one of the lowest totals in the, in the, in the past decade. Right. And yes. I mean, what do you do with it? Well, how are you supposed to handicap this? The one example this season, the sample size of Dorian Thompson Robinson 
uh, was putrid. It was a bottom three performance among the the nearly 50 quarterbacks that have taken snaps in the NFL this season, which all by itself is kind of a remarkable number. Um, but, you know, the circumstances surrounding that suggest that it wasn't a full week of preparation for DTR under those circumstances. Um, and, you know, the the historical just outright ownership by the Pittsburgh Steelers of the Cleveland Browns, you know, that the 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 Steelers have five straight uh wins as a dog. They they beat the Browns. They just, you know, they hocus pocus their way in, into into wins. Um I heard one guy that I I, I like at, at the Action Network say that the Browns' best chance of winning this game is to punt on first down every time they get the ball on offense. That way they can't turn it over on their half of the field and give Kenny Pickett a short field or have a defensive return for a touchdown, which I thought was absolutely yeah, I, I, I said hilarious. This, I, I was saying the same thing. What was the game? Uh, it was the Browns. I forget who they were playing. And I, I wanted the entire game to be the other team on offense versus the Browns defense. If we could just like have that be the entire game, the Browns would have had, it was a game I teased, I teased the Browns. I just needed them to win. I can't remember the game now, but I, I completely concur with that opinion. <laughs> well, we're literally staring it in the face. Uh, what, once again, um, I don't know what, what to make of this, although it is crucially vitally important to the AFC playoff picture in the same way that, that tonight's game was um, the Bengals are really behind the eight ball now. Uh, and the Browns need to continue to, to, to try and win, win these games here um, by any means necessary, the best defense in the NFL. I think that I'm just going to stay away from this thing in its entirety um, because neither the side nor the total hold any appeal to me. But is there any way to handicap this game? Well, the one thing that I might try to sell you now, this, this, this is low on my priority list. I already did bet it. I will admit, but it's not something I'm strong on. It's not, it's not something that I absolutely love. I would uh, just like literally like small bucks on this thing. If, if you do want to tail me here, but um, I'm looking at Mr. Pickett and I'm saying this guy has played three straight home games and now he's going on the road. That alone right there is like, okay, you got really comfortable at home. Now you're going on the road. Who did he play at home? He played the number 25 Titans pass defense. He averaged 5.3 yards per attempt and 160 total yards. The Titans ranked number 25. Terrible pass defense. That's what he put up against them. He played last week the Green Bay Packers pass defense. They ranked number 12, but that was not factoring in that they were without Jair Alexander, their number one cover corner. So he missed that game. You know how many passes Kenny Pickett completed? If I held up two hands and you held up one, we would have more fingers than passes Kenny Pickett completed. <laughs> he, he completed 14 passes for 126 yards and no touchdowns. Okay. Um, there are 30 quarterbacks that meet the qualifier for attempts the last three weeks. Pickett ranks number 29 in yards per attempt, averaging only 5.2. Number 29 in passing yards per game, averaging only 119.7. And dead last in completion rate uh, of passes that gain 10 plus yards. 
uh, 18% of his total passes. There's no explosivity in this passing attack right now. They're trying to run the football. They're trying to throw the ball to the perimeter. They're trying to ball, throw the ball short. Now he's going up against the number three Cleveland Browns defense, a defense that knows they don't have an explosive offense is just going to start putting up points. Like maybe they thought, uh, you know, in their mind for some reason that that was Deshaun Watson. He could come and save us if we need him to. No, this is on the defense. Defense can't allow points here, right? They got it. They got to play to win the game themselves on defense. The last time Kenny Pickett played the Browns, he completed 15 of 30 passes. One pass gained 71 yards. It was a 16 yard completion, air yard completion to George Pickens, who ran for 55 yards after the catch. Other than that 71 yard gain, Pickett averaged 5.2 yards per attempt in that game. His, his passing yard prop house is, it was 181. I don't know what it is now. Maybe it's 180. I'm not sure because I bet the under. So it could have dropped by a yard or two. I, it's low. It's super low, but. I mean, the guy's averaging 119.7 the last three games playing at home. And I just don't think they're going to be coming out here, chucking the ball all over the place against the Cleveland Browns on the road. So that's what, that's an angle I'm looking at here. I will say that there has been a battle. Obviously, some guys got out in front of this game, bet the Pittsburgh Steelers when they knew that there was a very good, like, well, first of all, Steelers catching three and a half or four was like just a, we're betting this because these games are tight. We're betting this because Mike Tomlin figures out a way, right? Then once it got a little bit lower, there was, oh, guess what? Deshaun Watson is not looking good for this game. Bet. So they were betting the Steelers just because of the Deshaun Watson thing. And then they finished it all off by betting the Steelers when they found out that, no, it's not going to be PJ Walker. It's actually going to be DTR. And that was the final like movement as in terms of their bets. Once it got to the bottom there, then we did see a little bit of Cleveland Browns money come in here. Um, we saw a little bit of Cleveland Browns money come in. So there is a bunch of money lined up on the Steelers at various different numbers for various different reasons from people. And now there's going to be a little bit of Cleveland Browns money that comes in in late. Um, I've not bet anything on the, the, the side or total in this game. Certainly I'm not going to touch the total whatsoever. Uh, is, this is not Iowa. The Pittsburgh Steelers wear the same colors as Iowa. I mean, they look like <laughs> Iowa. You could, you could confuse them for well, Iowa with this total as well. I want to bang two things off of you. The first is if you believe that the Steelers will try to minimize um, picket mistakes, and this it turns into a, a, a rushing affair, is there any value in the Steelers team total under 16 and a half? It's juiced a little. It's minus 118. You have to lay. Yeah, I think the, the only problem with the Steelers team total is just the fact that how did they win the game the last time? It wasn't with their right. offense. It was with their defense. And they literally scored points defensively. And so yeah, a pretty shitty offensive performance is 10 points, right? What The Indianapolis Colts somehow scored like, uh, with Gardner Minshew, scored what, like 30-some points on on the Cleveland Browns? Um, they did that. So like, That's true. A, a totally dog shit offensive performance in the NFL this year you might get 10 points. Like may maybe you could do less. Obviously some teams have got, I'm sure teams have gotten shut out, but like you're pretty bad if you do 10 and then all of a sudden you get like a defensive score. Boom. You're, you're or blown tackle like this George Pickens thing where he was supposed to be tackled. Uh, it was a 16 yard completion. Okay. Just tackle. No, nope, boom. He escapes some tackle runs 55 more yards and scores a touchdown. So I just, I, I'm not going to tell you not to bet it because I do think that it's going to be tough for the Steelers to score. But one thing about the Browns, I'll just throw this out there. I've, I've been saying this for, for weeks now. 
is that the Browns might have a good run defense statistically. And if you look at the big picture, zoom out 2,000 feet, they look good. But from time to time, the way that Jim Schwartz plays defense, they overplay certain things and they get gashed by a big run. They'll get gashed by like a big run. That's why I bet some guys' longest rushing attempts, even though there's no business against the Cleveland Browns because they've got a good overall run defense. And now you've got like some pretty solid run blocking uh, that they've got in Pittsburgh right now. Their running backs combined for over 200 yards last week on the ground um, against the Packers. I'm not combined they did some through the air but the running backs between uh warren and Najee harris had over 200 yards total um so they're going to rely on those guys and if they bust one out too against the browns i mean it's it's tricky there's just not much room for error yeah okay uh last concept last betting concept on this game any interest in teasing the steelers up you can get them through the seven you know it looks like it's browns one and a half on uh, FanDuel right now. Browns by one and a half. You could get the Steelers up through the seven, up to seven and a half with a total this low. What do we think about that angle? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would be in a favor. If, I, I wouldn't care if it was the Steelers who were catching one, one and a half, or if it was the Browns catching that. You got to get through the seven. So whether you, it forces you to lay a six and a half, you got to do it. You got to pay the little extra 10 cents, which is all it should cost you to move through the seven, to be at a seven and a half, not just to the seven. Um, but yeah, I would, I wouldn't, this has nothing to do with me thinking the Steelers are going to win or thinking the Browns are going to win. Cause like I said, if the Steelers were laying one here, one and a half, I would be te- advocating a tease as well. And just, you're doing it with the Browns this time. Well, that feels like we've spent enough time on a game um, with the fewest. We're points. done with the AFC North. We're done with the <laughs> AFC North for the week. We saw the Ravens, you know, take on the Bengals. Now we talked about this game. Let's get to an interesting game. Yeah, the Dolphins. Something, to- something totally different. Let's talk about the Dolphins. Uh, an offense that can score. Yeah, exactly. An offense that can score, and and they've had some time to sit in the corner and think about what they've done, okay? Because they have been ridiculed (laughs) by the media for being unable to win these types of games, right? They they went over to Germany and they lost in, I know they only allowed two offensive touchdowns. They only allowed 14 points to the Chiefs. They lost the game 21 to 14, though. One was a defensive score. So, you know, in many ways, it shouldn't have been quite as bad as it, it, it looked. But like when the game was, within reach before like garbage time, so to speak, uh, their offense was doing nothing here, like literally nothing. And so they are 0-3 against teams that actually are good. You know, the Eagles, the Bills, the Chiefs. They're 6-0 and though in their other games. And the good news is that the Raiders are in that other games category. You know, like, <laughs> oh, yes, they are, Daddy. And 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 the Dolphins haven't just been winning these games. They've been winning these games by an average final score of thirty-nine to twenty. I mean, they're putting up points early, and they're blowing these teams out. And you know, what do we know about Antonio Pierce? House this guy wants to run the football. He just just dreaming about Josh Jacobs, and he's been talking about Josh Jacobs. And you know. When, when they weren't doing so well and they were almost about to lose the game to the Jets, what did they do? They just went back to Josh Jacobs and that's what allowed them some success in that second half. By the way, I'll just point out, it has no, absolutely nothing to do with the fact that I did bet the Jets. Uh, but the field position in the second half of that game was what decided it. I mean, if the field position in the second half was at all even, 
I, I Mike's producer Mike's Raiders were not going to be winning that game. I'm I'm curious to see after we record this how what he feels about this little win streak that the Raiders are going on blowing their chances at a better draft pick. Uh but they played two games at home house. Now they're going on the road to Miami uh, and they're going to be caught in a horn's nest, in my opinion, with how pissed off this Dolphins team is and and getting to, you know, take that aggression out on a team like the Raiders. But what are your thoughts of this game? I mean, we got to load up. This is an opportunity that doesn't come down the pike very often. Twelve and a half. It's sitting at on FanDuel right now. Anything up to 14 to me is is kind of a must play on the Dolphins. The total's 46 and a half. Miami has won all four of its home games by at least 14 points this season. They're 3-0 against the spread as a double-digit favorite under Mike McDaniel. Uh, and I really like this situation of them coming off the bye with the Raiders having faced and beaten Tommy DeVito and Zach Wilson. Well, congratulations. I'm glad for Antonio Pierce. I'm glad to get that bum Josh McDaniels off my TV screen. But this is a different caliber of animal that they are about to be confronted with and confronted by. And the thing that I'm most interested in is what Vic Fangio has cooked up over the course of this buy because he's getting players back. He's getting healthy bodies. He's got, got uh, Jalen Ramsey back. Uh, they, they, they finally, it looks like, um, you know, uh, uh, Devin Achan is going to come back on offense. So they'll be able to run the ball as well. I just think that this is a situation that, that, you know, good, good story for the Raiders. I'm glad they enjoy their cigars. Here's reality in the NFL when you're up against uh, a, a quality offense. That's my point of view on this one, Sharpie. I don't disagree very much. From an X's and O's perspective, one of the biggest issues to me is, will you be able to get pressure on Tua? Because if you don't get pressure, and let's keep in mind, that was a big talking point for us in the game that they played over in Germany two weeks ago. Can you get pressure on Tua? And the Raiders weren't, sorry, the Chiefs weren't great at doing that. But what they did have is Steve Spagnolo, who created this very unique blitzing scheme for that particular game. They were bringing corners off the edge that Tua wasn't seeing. They were very creative. I don't entrust this Raiders coaching staff to be that creative in this game, to be able to get the type of pressure that would be needed. And when Tua is not pressured, he's a top three quarterback in EPA per attempt, yards per attempt, success rate. The Raiders rank 18th in pressure rate. That's come against some of the worst offensive lines in the NFL. The last three, three of the last four weeks, they've literally played number 32, 31, and 29 ranked offensive lines in pass protection. Um, on 64% of their blitzes, they do not get pressure. That's 26th in the NFL. They don't blitz much. They try to keep things in front of them. They haven't allowed deep passes down the field to be completed. They've only allowed seven. This is pretty impressive. Uh, only seven completions this year of 20 or more yards. That's third lowest number in the league. But guess what? That's fine. The Dolphins don't need to chuck it super deep to Tyreek this week. Let's chuck it on 10 yard passes, eight yard passes, 13 yard passes, whatever. We'll just, we'll just chuck it underneath. You guys can wait over the top and then Tyreek will run right between you because he's super fast and he's a freak and he's had an extra week to rest his legs. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think, uh, oh, one other point here before we get to the next game, the Dolphins use among the highest rates of two are two running back sets 
like 21 personnel with a fullback out on the field. The Raiders defense dead last defending two running back sets. They're 29th against the pass and they're 32nd against the run. Uh, sorry, 30th against the run and combined, they are dead last against two running back sets. So, I mean, this, this plays well for two to have a safe game, have an upright game, not get hit very often. Uh, ball won't touch the carpet all that much, in my opinion. And you got a defense now with Vic Fangio, a week of extra time to prepare going up against a young, inexperienced quarterback that doesn't have a whole lot outside of throwing the football to Devontae Adams. So I think we're in lockstep there. I'm interested to see if we're in lockstep with this one, House. Minnesota is taking on Denver. Before we break down this game, I do want to mention that the East Coast Bias Boys, you guys got a same game parlay related to the Vikings and Broncos game, which I am eager to see what you guys are on because I got a prop that I think I'm going to be interested in. For that one, I want to see if you guys are taking it as well. Tune into Ringer Socials uh, this weekend and you're going to be able to see that same game parlay drop from the East Coast Bias Boys. But House right now over at FanDuel, the Minnesota Vikings, they are a two-point underdog. You can also find a bunch of two and a half out there. And the total is a variety of different numbers. It's some 42, some 43. It did take some under money. That's why there's a difference. I'm seeing both numbers in the market. I'm also seeing 42 and a half. So what is your take? This is a Sunday night game, another primetime affair. Uh... I bucked the trend. I went over on the uh, Thursday night game. We got there in glowing fashion, but that hasn't been the case for most of the season. Most of these primetime games have been going under the total. So you have anything you like on the total or the side or a teaser? Yeah, what are you thinking? I, so I'm seeing uh, Minnesota. I'm on the FanDuel Sportsbook right now. They're getting two and a half. The total there is 42 and a half. They on the money line as an underdog, only plus 118, which is not a, like a, a great price for a dog that's, you know, plus two and a half. This is my favorite teaser leg of the week. And that's this just goes to a very simple proposition. If you look at the last 30 Minnesota Vikings football games, the overwhelming majority of them have ended up at, at uh, a difference of eight points or less. The vast majority, all the Vikings do is play one score game. So I like very much the notion of taking the Vikings from the two and a half position and pushing them up through the eight and a half. Getting into the X's and the O's, I'm really fascinated by the, 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 the shape that this Vikings defense has taken. They have... You know, it looked like in the offseason, they let some important pieces go. And, you know, they brought in Brian Flores and they just blitz, 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 blitz. And it seems like it's kind of working now. They're having some, some success. And the particular challenge for Denver is Russell Wilson looks like he has sack stress disorder, which is to say, he is anticipating sacks. You can see him wincing as the pressure comes, and sometimes he's falling down before anybody touches him. He is very uncomfortable in the pocket as the pocket is collapsing. You don't see that old version of Russell Wilson where he just takes two steps comfortably, confidently, moves himself out of harm's way. It was really stunning to me in that Bills game how many times as the pre as the pressure kind of started moving him, 
he 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 just was in a hurry to fall down. He was he did not w- want to get hit. It didn't seem. Now he did lead a couple of sustained drives, and his his accuracy was good. And his he has not turned the ball over, and that's the reason that the Broncos are on the three game winning streak that they're on, and it's the reason that the Broncos are legitimately in the playoff hunt. But I think that this Vikings defense is live. We haven't even got Sharpie to Dom Sanity. And you know, speaking of props that we're going to play in this thing, I just can't wait. I mean, I can't keep it in my pants. I am absolutely playing the Dobbs, you know, rushing total, whatever it is, Dobbs rushing over. Let's just do it. Like, let's, that's the world I want to live in Sharpie. But my favorite angle on this game is, is the, is the tease. For Minnesota, I'll probably play a little money line for them as well. I know what, how hard it is to go into Denver. I know that the, the the Vikings are on this win streak, but there's just something going on there. Let me ask you this, okay? What if I told you that the rushing yards prop was 13 and a half? Would you bet the over? For Dobbs? For Dobbs. 13 and a half yards? Would you bet the over? Of course. Okay. What if it was 25 and a half? Would you bet the over? Yes, I would. Okay. What if it was 32 and a half? Would you bet the over? Yes, I would. What if 39 and a half? Now you're at my, now you're starting to hit my limit. I feel like 40 is, is a good number. Okay. 40 is like right there in terms of my comfort level. So what if I told you it's 10 yards shy of 40, where it's at 29 and a half right now? It's an over. It's okay. an overplay for me. It's okay. part of the offense. I bet that Kevin over o- last week as well against the Minnesota Vikings. I want to say I got it at... I'll have to go back and look at my sheet. I'll tell you You mean in a against second. the Saints? Yeah, I bet that over last week against the Saints. Yeah. I want to say it was like 24 and a half. I'll have to pull it up here. But um, yeah, that hit easily. He had 44 yards uh, rushing on the ground last week. I think Kevin O'Connell and Josh Dobbs, like they kind of see the world. They didn't know. You know 27 and like, a half is what I got. It might have been a love at first sight kind of thing. Like they didn't know that they, that they were going to have this perfect uh, harmony, this perfect marriage. It looked like a marriage of convenience. And then they found something in each other's eyes. And lo and behold, because uh, they're, their, their offensive scheming is pr- is pretty delightful. And I, I expect to see some scheduled runs, honestly, out of Dobbs. Well, so speaking of delightful and, and perfect, the one matchup that I do think is perfect for the Vikings offense here is, the, is, is, is a twofold matchup. Number one, the Broncos stink at stopping runs. They allow explosive runs left and right. They are not good at stopping it. You saw... Uh, Cook from Buffalo was in the doghouse because he fumbled on a pass that he caught. And one of the stronger props that I was on last week was Cook longest rushing attempt over. And I was like, okay, is, is, is idiot McDermott ever going to let this guy out of the doghouse? We have to watch Latavius Murray run the football here uh, in his big game because you're mad that Cook fumbled on a, on a, he was stripped when he was getting ready to go down to the ground. At any rate, he comes back in. He hits two runs that are longer in like three quarters of the game that were longer than his longest rushing attempt. So um, 
This run defense of the Denver Broncos does not tackle well. They allow too many yards before contact. One of the worst teams in the NFL. They get pushed off the ball too much. I think the Minnesota Vikings will be able to get uh, some movement on the ground. And that then house is going to set up what they do more than any other team in the NFL, which is utilize play action. And the Vikings use play action at the highest rate in the NFL. You know who the worst defense is against play action in the NFL? The Denver Broncos. And so it's just like the perfect like marriage for Josh Dobbs to get some of these defensive guys to get sucked up thinking they're going to get gashed again in the run. We got to stop the run. Boom. We're actually keeping the ball in the quarterback's hand, not in the belly of the running back, pulling it back and firing it down the field to somebody. We're not getting Justin Jefferson back. Once that Jefferson news hit the screen, that's when the total started to take a little bit of under money. Um, when it looked like Jefferson was not going to be able to go because he was limited after the first day. And then it looked like after Wednesday's practice, he got limited again today. Um, the one thing I could say about the Denver Broncos is they're very self-aware. Sean Payton right now is playing very self-aware football. He understands Russ's limitations. He understands his strengths. They're relying on the run game and they're perfectly fine with playing field position as long as the game is close, not overextending Russ. And Russ, you know, to his credit, I I understand they blitz a ton. I think it's a tough matchup against this defense because the Vikings are going to do a good job of stopping the run. And then the Vikings are going to do a good job of keeping everything in front of them and sending a lot of blitzes at Russ. And Russ does fold like a, like a wet blanket, like a cheap tent, like, uh, you know, a, a old folding table you're trying to set up for your kids party. And it just keeps collapsing because you didn't move the little knob, uh, the metal hook in the right spot. Um, that's exactly what's going to happen here to Russ. But the one thing that he does is he'll scramble a little bit. Like he's not looking down the field. He never looks if, if the, if the blitz is coming, he does not look down the field. He will start to figure out a way to run or he'll lay on the ground. You know, he'll just lay down and, and, and play dead or he'll try to scramble around and throw the ball to like an outlet running back or a tight end who's standing like right near the line of scrimmage. And he did a good job of that against the Buffalo Bills. Now the Bills defense, obviously very injured unit, um, had a lot of success doing that though. Um, so we'll see. If he's able to do that here, but I mean, I'm kind of leaning a little bit more towards the under, but the problem is A, it is so low and B, you know, the Bills, sorry, the uh, Denver Broncos elite on their opening drive of the game. They've got some of the best scripting of any team in the NFL. So that's my one concern of like, do I bet it only first half? Well, if I did, then I'd, I'd be playing into this element where you've got the Broncos offense at their best. So I'm not sure if I'm going to do anything with the total and I haven't done anything with the side, but that is a good teaser like to me. Good. That's what I want to hear. Cause that's, that's one that I'm definitely going to, going to deliver this week. I have that, you know, featured in a couple different plays. This episode is brought to you by empower. You got money questions like can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York, we want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. 
Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. I want to pick your brain, and we're going to do this as part of our scanning the board segment where there's a line that catches our attention that's interesting that might not match up with the the way the look ahead lined up and, and projected out. And I'm talking about this fascinating matchup, this all of a sudden fascinating matchup, between the Arizona Cardinals and the Houston Texans. On FanDuel right now, it looks like the Texans are favored by four and a half. The total is up to 48 and a half. Um, Earlier in the market, this number was the Texans by five and a half, but it's a pretty significant departure from where this line was on the look ahead, right? Yeah, the look ahead this line was the Arizona Cardinals were catching three points on the road in this spot. There was a lot of questions. We knew Kyler Murray was obviously trying to rehab from his ACL. Was he going to be, and my guess is what the lines makers probably did since they really play into like probabilities when they're setting these numbers is, okay, he's obviously 0% chance to play week one. He's, you know, 0% to play week two, 0% to play week three. And at a certain point, it's like, okay, maybe he's 40% this week. Maybe he's 50% the next, 60%. Like, And in some cases, some guys probably thought maybe that he's not going to play at all this season. But for the most part, there is some element that he's going to play. So they were only catching three. Now he is playing and they're catching five. But what we didn't know is how elite CJ Stroud was going to look, right? And he looks like... I mean, the second coming. I and mean, this, this guy's walking on water right now. Um, extremely impressive. And what makes his season-long statistics even more like smoking hot house is that over the first seven weeks of the season, no quarterback played a tougher schedule of defenses than Stroud. In six games that he played over those first seven weeks, because there was a bye thrown in there, he faced five top 10 defenses, five out of six games. He was playing top 10 defenses. Then he got to play some of the easier defenses coming out of the bye. I don't know what the hell the coaching is. Why was that study that came out? Um, they were trying to help, uh, what's the coach Jim, Jim Harbaugh, uh, with the suspension, right? I don't know if you saw the study that like coaches are responsible for like 20 to 30% of the outcome of games. And, um, and so like he should be allowed. Like I don't give a shit about him, but I'll got to tell you that in my opinion, the game plan. And the way that you call your plays, at least in football, is actually more than 20 to 30% of the yeah. outcome. You do have to execute. It helps to have great players. But if you're calling bullshit plays or you have a horseshit strategy for the whole game of what you want to do, you know, as you're working in the week leading up to the game, you're probably not going to have a great chance to like come out and destroy the other team. And that game plan they brought to Carolina was just dog crap. But now they are going up against the number 32 ranked Arizona Cardinals defense. And it's a defense that plays two high safeties at the second highest rate. So they're very predictable as to what they're going to be in defensively. They blitz at the lowest rate. They get pressure at the 28th rate. So fifth lowest rate of getting pressure. And 
they average 2.6 seconds to get pressure. So that's the fourth longest. So when they do actually get pressure, it takes a little while to get there. They blitz at the lowest rate and they play two high safeties. And these are things I like CJ Shroud. He's not like going up against Belichick or somebody. Oh, well, what are they doing this time? What are they doing that time? Oh, they're dropping here. They're, they're pretty predictable in terms of what you're going to be getting there. And that's why their defense sucks this year. And they've been allowing so much production to opposing quarterbacks. Um, and I, I want to see him cook. And I also want to see on the other side of the ball what Kyler Murray looks like. Cause I do think there was some rust to be shaken off after that first week performance. Obviously, he's not going to be like quite a hundred percent. Kyler, but the one thing that he is 100% with, clearly to me, at least his mobility, which normally at week 11 of the NFL season, we're all, this is one of the reasons we've been betting like Kyler Murray and, and Arizona Cardinal team total unders for a few years now. A, Cliff Kingsbury sucks late in the season. He gets figured out, right? Like his record late half of the season is always worse than the beginning. But in addition, Kyler is always dealing with some type of injury. And when Kyler's lower body is not at 100%, when he's not fully mobile in the pocket, this team does not play offense nearly the same way. They don't score points. They end up losing games. But right now, we've got 100% Kyler Murray. He's running around like a jitterbug back there. He can do everything that he wants to from a health perspective. It's He's got live legs. He's got yep. legs, you know. They're not midseason legs. They're beginning of the season legs, which exactly. is a great thing to see. It's the version of that Arizona Cardinals offense that, like, you know, a couple of years, we, we the, the the trend was they come out hot um, because he's healthy and he's a dual threat quarterback and they had great, you know, skill guys and they go off and, and win a bunch of games. And then, you know, the the there's an injury that comes along down the line. And then, you know, Cliff Kingsbury, the previous coach, uh, you know, notorious for fading down the stretch. But this matchup, honestly, Sharpie, kind of fascinates me. You you made reference to the poor showing by the Texans on offense against Carolina. And the news that came out after that is that CJ and, and, and uh, the offensive coordinator, coordinator, is it Bobby Slowick? Is that yep, how you say his Slowick. name? They had a conversation and lo and behold, uh, now they are throwing the ball on first down. The The rate at which they're throwing the ball on first down took a, a big uh, uh, leap upwards, which is, you know, you, you something it's a, it's a Warren Sharp, you know, pet project here to get a lot more efficiency out of offenses by trying to gain yards on first down. Um, and, and, and both against the, the, the Bucks and the Bengals, they exposed those defenses. I mean, it was really an eye opener for me, especially against the Bengals. It was the thing you worried about with the Bengals in terms of their ability, their fortunes for the rest of the season. It really comes down to that, that, that defense and Big Lou was doing the best he could, but CJ cooked them. I mean, he, they, he scored a bunch of points in the second half. And, and the thing with CJ Stroud, back-to-back weeks with, with game engineering, game-winning drives, okay. That's, he's, he's, he is that dude. But I'm, I'm not prepared to lay a whole bunch of points with the Houston Texans. They're 0-3 against the spread as a favorite. And... Their defense isn't very good. They're in the bottom half of, of virtually every metric you want to use and, and a bottom 10 team in a bunch of the passing metrics. And the most important thing for Arizona, in addition to Kyler um, being restored to health, is James Conner. They can, they can run the football. It's, they're, they're about like a league average kind of offense. And 
I, I honestly think that anything more than a field goal it starts to give you s- some value here. I, I I think I'm on Arizona for this one, Sharpie. All right. Well, let's go. I've done nothing on this game. I can't refute your points. They're valid. Um, and I'm curious to see if this bet actually makes it into your bet the house, which, you know, I want to hit those first. We do have a bunch of great bets from the betting buddies this week that we're going to narrow down and pick a winner. Uh, but before we do that, let's jump into bet the house. Last week did not quite get there, but you're hitting 60% on the season. Well above expectations right now. So how do we improve this by one more notch? Let's notch another into the tally for the good guys. What are you thinking about targeting this week? Yeah, I'm I'm back in my teaser mode. I still like these combo bets. I'm still living in, you know, mildly exotic, not not crazy exotically. We might get crazy exotic this week, though, because there are a bunch of 10-point favorites. Man, are we going to look at 10-point teasers? We might, but that's not going to be how we bet the house this week. We want to be a little more uh, rational, and I want you to help me because I have the Vikings leg is in place. The Minnesota Vikings, we're teasing them from two and a half up to eight and a half. I love that. I'm I'm ready to invest. Can you help me p- choose between the Detroit Lions, who are home against the Chicago Bears? Uh, Justin Fields is going to be the quarterback for the Chicago Bears, and so that line opened up, I think, around nine or eight and a ten. half. Ten. Ten. And all the way down now to seven and a half. So all I'm getting out of Detroit is, is one and a half in a tease mode. Or, I mean, this is it for the Buffalo Bills. that They cannot lose this home game against the Jets. If they lose this home game against the Jets, their season is is over. So that number right now, I think, is seven. Do I tease the Bills from seven to one? Or do I tease the Lions from seven and a half down to one and a half? So I can tell you this, that it's it's... It seems crazy. It seems absurd that this is the case. But what if I were to tell you, because it feels like, doesn't it feel like kind of like the Bears have been bad for a little while in the NFC North and Lions have been good for a little while in the NFC North? It's just so recent that that's actually been the case, though, because the Lions, both games in uh, 2021 and one of the games in 2022, the Lions were actually the underdog. I mean, the Lions have only been favored in one of the last five games against the Chicago Bears. Uh, and that was week 17 of the 2022 season, which I believe Justin Fields was out for that game. Uh, though I'm not positive in the Lions obviously took command there and won 41 to 10. So, um, they've done well against the spread as underdogs. Um, but they really, they really like that first game of the year against the Lions in 2022. It was a week 10 game. They were losing the game entering the fourth quarter. They needed to score 21 points in the fourth quarter just to win by one point against the Chicago Bears <laughs> in Chicago. This game is at home. Um, and so that does definitely help them. Um, so that's the history on that series. Obviously, we know that the if there's one defense that has given the Bills problems, even when the Bills are healthy, even when the Bills are functional offense, even when the Bills are like um, buttoned up, everybody seems to at least be on the relative same page. It's been a team like the Jets, right? The Jets have given this team problems. 
the Jets offense has never really been very good. They're terrible this year. They've never really been good. It's been that defense that's brought these games down to, you know, like 17 to 13, 17 to 10. Something could go one way versus another way. Josh Allen's throwing these picks. I, 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 if I'm choosing between those two and I'm being forced to, I'm probably going with the Detroit Lions here. Um, I know that what I've heard is Justin Fields has been working on some other things besides just getting his thumb healthy. He's been working on some other things during the bye week or d- during the time off Yeah, that that could improve his performance in this game. He's taking some of his drops a little bit faster, right. trying to get the ball out, scanning the right. field better. Like I've there's that. a lot of improvements there. Um, so that is a little bit scarier when you're talking about points and the value of points in a teaser when you're talking about a total that's at 48 versus a total that was 39, um, 39 and a half, you know, the teased points are more valuable in the Bills game than they are in this game. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know. I would probably lean a little bit more to the Lions, but it's, it's, uh, it's close. I'm sure some people are. It's more of the traditional long teaser because you're at seven and a half. You go through the seven, whereas the Bills are laying only seven. Um, but my guess is that some guys will be teasing both of these. Uh, these will be popular teaser legs. Well, maybe I'll play a three-leg teaser with my own money. I have already bet with my own money the Detroit Lions and and the Vikings, but that was earlier when the the Lions were at, at eight and a half, and I I like the idea of getting down there. I I had to hit the pause button and get into the numbers a little bit when the line started moving on this this Justin Field news. It's like, wait a minute, are we? I get. I mean, I understand for sure the notion of of you know an adjustment for fields over my man teabag, but, uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I like the lions one. I'm, I'm going to go with that. That's the, the bet the house for week 11, the Detroit lions minus one and a half the the Minnesota Vikings plus eight and a half. Let's get a seventh win. 60% is pretty good betting buddies. Um, but we're not doing as well with selecting your great suggestions and turning those into winners. Um, we tried to be pretty straightforward with it last week. We just caught a game script in that Baltimore Ravens game that turned out to be all wet on a few different fronts. Um, Mark Andrews did not repeat his performance against uh, the the Browns from earlier in the season um, in terms of receptions, yards, or any of that stuff. And then the Ravens, Moneyline was an aspect of our bet last week, and I think I'm finally over being mad at the Ravens for for that fourth quarter performance, and especially, honestly, the whole second half, just letting the Browns run down the field, run the ball down their throats, and let Deshaun Watson. It's the best half of football that we saw out of Deshaun Watson, so I'm disappointed to have him hurt and miss the rest of the season, but... um, Let's try and find some winners this week for, 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 from all of our wagering warriors out there, Sharpie. Yes, sir. So let's go through it. And again, so that you guys know, anybody can enter. You can send, House will send up the bat signal at halftime of Thursday night. Make this part of your routine. The thousands and thousands of you that listen to the Ringer Gambling Show, this should be part of your routine. It should be like going to Sunday Mass. For those of you that are ultra-religious, you come to the bat signal on 
halftime of Thursday Night Football. You see House put it out. You come and drop your bet slip for FanDuel and you pick out whatever your favorite bet is for that week, a parlay. Uh, something could be traditional, just a two-leg teaser. It could be something more exotic. You try to give it a cool name that might stand out to us, that might attract our attention as we're looking through. And then you post your bet slip with your username at FanDuel so that you can get a reward, a prize if we select your bet. So that's what you're going after. You're going after that prize. You're trying to give us something that you think we'll like. Doesn't matter how many, how much uh, dollars you put onto it. It's just an idea. Now, if you don't have FanDuel in your state and you want to throw some suggestions out there, do it. You know, take advantage of it. You don't have to have FanDuel in your state to be able to take advantage of trying to uh, give us some of your suggestions and your recommendations. And we might shout you out and make you famous on the podcast. But obviously, you can't win the prize from FanDuel because you don't have a FanDuel account. So it's pretty obvious there. I got three for you, House, to pick from. I'm listening. Let's start with Jason Loher at J underscore L O E H R on the X machine. And he gives this Jalen Hurts has failed to exceed 237 and a half yards passing in eight of his last 12 games against top 10 scoring defenses. Patrick Mahomes has failed to exceed 282 and a half passing yards in nine of his last 12 games against bottom 10 passing defenses. We get the prime time over out of the way tonight. So he understood that this game was going over tonight because he posted this one hour ago. So I guess the game probably ended an hour ago. Primetime over is done. He's on the under bandwagon. So he's under Patrick Mahomes passing yards, under Jalen Hurts passing yards, and under 45 and a half points for the Monday night affair. Jason Lower, same game parlay. It pays plus 293 at FanDuel. See, That's I, option I like, yeah, I like this. And I wanted to make sure that we had a chance because we, we, all kinds of ringer content on uh, leading into that Monday night football game. We'll be focusing on this epic tilt during Thanksgiving week. Great job by the NFL. Uh, you know, the Thursday night games have been stinkers most of the season, but we're going to do Thanksgiving week right. We're going to start it off with Monday night football, a rematch of of the Super Bowl, Sharpie. So I'm glad to touch on this game. And I, I, think, I think I'm kind of feeling a game script that's akin to what what Jason's laying out here. I think we're going to see like ball control and it's kind of contrary to the version of of each of these teams that we saw just back, you know, in, in February. It wasn't that long ago, but they're they're different teams now. So, I I kind of like these unders with these passing yards and I definitely like the under for the prime time. Okay, so this is in the in in contention. Nice job by Jason. In contention. Okay. So we've got Randy Morgan is another guy at JR Morgan 16 on the X machine. His is simple. Steelers against a backup quarterback plus the Lions. Two leg, six point teaser, minus 134. Pittsburgh Steelers goes up to seven and a half. We talked about this one earlier. Detroit Lions goes down to minus one and a half. What do you think about that one? I like this. I we we went through kind of the merits of how might we play the Steelers and uh Cleveland and of all the angles that we considered the Steelers plus seven and a half is the most compelling and you just talked me into Detroit um as the second half of my own preferred teaser leg this week. 
So this is in the running. Thank you, Randy. I like this one. All right. What any anything else out there? Yeah, last one is from at Let It Ride Podcast. Uh, it's from the Let It Ride Pod, actually at the Let It Ride Pod on X. A four-team 10-point teaser. The Niners down to one and a half, minus one and a half. The Commanders down to plus a half. The Cowboys down to minus a half. And the Dolphins down to minus two and a half. You put four team 10 point teaser, pays out even money at FanDuel. So 100 wins 100, <laughs> two wins two, whatever you want to do, however much you want to lay, you get it back. Nothing more, nothing less. Uh, very simple. And basically, all these guys just need to win the game, uh, except for the Dolphins, which need to win by field goal. I mean, this is goddamn absurd, which is why I love it so much. I mean, it's absolutely. You cannot, I mean, the four-legger, it's so good. Ten, four-leg, 10-point teaser. I appreciate that. I love it. This is this really appeals to me. It's right in the in the house, wheelhouse. Uh, I can't in good conscience. We're looking for winners now, Sharpie. Um, it just is, it's, it's a bridge too far. It might hit. I might bet it with my own money. Some kind of increment. It might be just, you know, uh, a, a beer here. But I can't endorse it. We we tried to be simple last week. We just played a very simple, you know, money line parlay last week, uh, and and the Bengals couldn't get home against the Texans. Um, thank you to the Let It Ride podcast and the good folks behind that for chiming in. I love the way that you think. We are obviously simpatico. I think I'm going to go with Randy Morgan. I like the 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 Pittsburgh Steelers. Getting the seven and a half, um, it, it it might end up being a ten to three football game uh, with a historically low total, and you know uh, the Steelers only get three points, and they get three points because they get a punt return to the thirty eight yard line or something like that, and they fall down four times, and they get it to the fall down three times, and get it to the thirty four, and then their field goal kicker makes a long one, and that's the only points that they score. Um, and obviously the Detroit leg, uh, we don't need to expand upon great job by, by Randy. Let's, let's go with that one. Sharpie. All right, Randy, congratulations. Uh, let's, let's go though. We need this sucker to win. We need the sucker to get home for us. Um, two quick announcements before we get out of here house. Number one, anybody who joined the free week for, for the, for the website, which I talked about a, a week or two ago, I don't know. Cause the free week was running for like seven to 10 days. I'm, I'm, thank you for all your feedback. We crushed on the free week. It was great. I'm glad you guys got a chance to experience what we do over at Sharp Football Analysis. So just thank you for all the feedback that you guys were giving me via, via email and DM. Appreciate it. I'm glad that we won you guys some money. Second announcement. We, everybody wants to know house. What are we doing? When are we doing the pie episode? What are we doing this? This has become like a, a thing I get asked about this. Um, our podcast for Thanksgiving is still coming out. Same time, same channel. Every time that you get this podcast from us is a Friday edition. So that's not changing. You're going to get it next Friday, a week from today when this podcast is released. That's when it's coming out. It's still to be determined what's going to happen with the pies. So at some point, we're going to have pies, whether it's that show or sometime in the very near future, aside from that. But we're going to get the pies, right, House, or something to the equivalent of pies. Meat pies, I mean, it, cakes, yeah. I have no idea. Well, I leave that, that up that, to you. That, 
Well, we, it's they're going to be pies. It's pie season. Only that maniac Austin Gale tried to take us off into these these foreign <laughs> dessert land. Like, boy, you know, we want pie. It's, 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 it's Thanksgiving and Christmas, the holiday season. It's the best time of year for pie. So there's there will be pie uh, from w- wonderful vendors that we recommend everybody support. Uh, we're, we're going through the process of of selecting from whom and what types of pies and, and, you know, is it going to be savory? It's going to be, is it going to be sweet? The answer is yes. It's going to be all the above. It's going to be cheesy. It's going to be gooey. It's going to be meaty. It's going to be sweet. It's going to be, uh, you know, all, all of the above. Salty. You're it, making my mouth water right now, house. Just like, he, just <laughs> like thinking about it because I remember how delicious this thing is every single time we do it. I can't wait for it. Yeah, for sure. We're, 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 we're going to do it by, by hook or by crook. Everybody, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll be back with, with some pies and hopefully some, some winning bets, Sharpie. Amen there, brother. Well, that'll do it. Thank you guys for listening. The Ringer Gambling Show will return on Monday when the East Coast Bias guys get back together to preview Monday night football. Thanks to Joe House for joining me, to Mike Wargon and Steve Cerruti for producing this episode. Good luck with your bets, everyone. You must be 21 years old or older and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT-STEP to 533-42. In Connecticut, you can call 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. In Kansas, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. In Louisiana, 1-877-770-STOP. Visit in Maryland, mdgamblinghelp.org. In West Virginia, you can visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net or in Wyoming, you can call one 800 522 Four seven zero zero. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call in New York 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.